Welcome to Politics and Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here, my dear brothers and sisters. This is KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Folks, we're heard all over the Houston metropolitan area, Harris County, Montgomery County, Galveston County, you name it, we're there. Anyhow, we are going to have a great program for you today. Before you know, I always like to give the great thank you to folks who are helping this community radio station always give you a better, a better product, a better sound, because community is what it's all about. What I want to do right now is, first of all, in our studio is the one and only Tori Mercer. How are you doing today, Tori? Want to tell you hello. How are you doing? Good, good. Good to be here. Beautiful day. It reminds me of uh, San Francisco weather. Nice and cool and moist. I know. Hey, you know what? Before before I even get to what I want to say, wasn't that playlist that uh, Rourke did today like the boss or what? Well, I'm always impressed by Rourke because... I'm a music guy and I listen to everything and work consistently plays music I've never heard before. I know, man. That's what I want from a DJ KPFT. Folks, KPFT, you guys got to stick with us. We give you all all the real good music and also now we give you the great, not, this is not, well, Politics Unright is not just talk. This is in-depth analysis of what's going on throughout our country and I want you to stick around if you're around with Rourke listening to that great music stick around and let's get a little bit of what's going on in our country as well but before I get started as well hey Rourke I I mean hear me Rourke hey Tori I want to thank you man for um coming in and taking care and making sure all those squeaks and uh, got out of these uh, of these microphone holders I don't know I mean um, I I I don't know how, how come I never thought about that before but thank you for bringing that expensive piece out silicon type of thing to put out here and get rid of all these sounds just working off my karma debt to to the world that's what it is right that's what it is but anyhow and also thanks for the the instructions on how to make the sound better so folks if you hear that today i'm somewhat improved in my vocalization it's because of that great engineer (laughs) that's sitting back there behind the glass i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying sometimes when i get excited you know how it goes. So I'm learning how to do some of these things a little bit better. But hang around with us. Today's subject is a very important one. And I want you guys to stick around and stick around with us because I want you to get this. I want all of us to understand this material. Alistair Waters in the chat, welcome aboard. Thank you for being there with us. Title of the show today, Our Banks Prove Our System is an Unsustainable Fraud. Homelessness is a product of our economic system. And I want, uh, well, I'll, I'll go into the homelessness thing after I do the bank thing. But the subtitle is, our banking system depends on a class of primarily men who, like children, cannot leave the cookie jar. Homelessness is a product of our economic system, folks. An economic system dependent on the pathological unreliability of the titans of finance, always always fails and i want you to keep that subtitle in the back of your heads right now i want all of those that are listening to me today to really believe in their worth and not believe just what you hear or that things will be as you see them but let's get started our banks prove our system is an unsustainable fraud banks are a very important part of our economic system. Very important. It is hard to believe, but banks create and destroy money 
with your actions, and it is an important feature of the type of economic system that we have. Depositors, you know, anybody that's depositing money, etc., they put money in the bank for three purposes. Anybody who puts money in a bank, they put it for three purposes. Numero uno, they put it there for safekeeping, you know? It's a lot safer to put your money in a bank than to throw it under the mattress or put it elsewhere, right? So you, you, a bank has a vault. You expect it to be there. Many times your money, even if the bank is robbed, it's covered, etc., etc., etc. Not like the old wild, wild west days. Second, often as well, they want to make a small return for giving that bank the ability to make some money on their money. After all, the bank has bills to pay. So the bank has to make money on your money, and that is your reward for, um, for keeping the money in the bank. They, they, they do other things with it, etc. right? And third is for the services the bank provides. Banks provide great services. You need to send a wire transfer. You need to write a check. You need, well, checks no more, but you know, you now it's all electronic, but you need to do your electronic things with banks, etc. Those are important features. So we do need banks in a society where we trade indirectly with money, right? And I'm going to go into that a little further because a lot of people, you know, I have a few people that follow us here on, at, uh, on, on, at Politics Done Right, and they don't like the idea of money. They think we live in a monetary society, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we need money. We need money. And, and it, it's about how we run it. But anyway, continuing. When you put your money in a bank, it is not just locked into a vault. After all, the bank has employees, rent, and interest for depositors to pay. In other words, you put your money in the bank, you want a little bit of, a little bit of cash for that bank holding on to your money. And that bank has to pay the employees who service you. That bank has to pay the executives who run the bank. There's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. So the bank lends out your money to those who need loans who themselves would pay a reasonable interest to the bank, and that bank would redistribute that interest in the form of paying rent, paying for employees, paying those customers who need their, uh, you know, who have their money in the bank for that interest. So that's, that's the perfect and necessary purpose of banking, and that's why I love community banking. I love community banking, and I think that is a bank. Those are the types of banks that should always support, have support of we the people, the banking, the, 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 the federal government, etc. Okay? But, and this is the big, big but. If the bank cannot find enough borrowers, it would normally invest those dollars in, and hear what I'm saying, short-term government securities, so it would make some money on its excess cash to pay its bills and garner a fair profit. In other words, you can't have somebody's money into the bank who you promised to give a little bit of interest to and not have that money in your bank making some sort of income so that you can, again, pay your bills, etc. Welcome to Politics and Right, uh, uh, Bruce Pollard and Eric Hayes. So that is so important that we understand that. You know, there's nothing wrong with profits. There's nothing wrong with that bank doing what it needs to do to make that money, right? So it's fine. That is how a banking system 
in a sane society should work. A run on banks would be unlikely, but having a quasi-nationalized banking system where the government covers it would, in effect, make runs on banks unlikely. Let's give an example. Every time you deposit money into a bank, let's say, you dep- let's say the bank has just 10 depositors. Each of them deposit $100,000 for a million dollars. That bank, by law, can, in, in the aggregate, they can loan out another, they can loan out of your million dollars that those 10 depositors have put into the bank. They can loan out $900,000. They have to keep a certain percentage. In, and mathematically speaking, the reason you have to do that is when you look at the mathematics of how the expansion of money occurs, you would get infinite expansion of money if you didn't have that thing called a demand deposit, the amount of money that the bank has that it can't loan out, right? But additionally, a 10% number usually is about the amount that you need to, you know, anybody who has deposits in the bank and are putting deposits and taking money out, putting it out, that ensures that they have enough money to carry on the regular functions of the bank, pay a bill, not pay a bill, that sort of a thing. And that's why they have that 10% hold or something on the bank. But other than that, the bank creates new money as soon as it lends money to somebody else. Because if you look at your ledger, you have, if you put $100,000 in the bank, you have a, you have a, your asset is $100,000. And if that person who borrowed from that bank $100,000, that also person has $100,000 in assets. So you've just inflated the money supply. That's what lending money does, all right? So in effect, we are, these banks are creating money, and creating money meaning they're creating economic activity, okay? So I, I wanted to bring this up in, in this manner to, to, to let everybody understand that there is a purpose in banking. Uh, a bank charge, uh, takes your deposit, lends your money out, they make a profit from lending the money out and the interest they pay, they, they pay th- that profit to the investors and the, uh, to, the, to the people who have deposits in the bank. They, they also use that interest rates to pay employees, etc. All these things is what they do with the money that comes into the bank. That's sane banking. This is a simplistic view, but I'm covering it a lot more as I speak, as I go further. The problem arises when banks take your money and do magical things with it. Not just invest in somebody who's building a house in which the house can be collateralized for that loan or using the effective great credit of somebody who's starting a business, etc. Some businesses that the banks fund will fail. Some investments that the banks make in the order of, you know, doing these things after they do their their diligence, they will fail. But that is what the interest rates and charges this bank will use will pay for. But when I talk about men and the cookie jar, I'm talking about these guys simply taking all the money that you give them. And by the way, Glass-Steagall back in the old days separated the kind of banking that I just explained there from the banking called investment banking, 
that allows folks to take your money and invest in all kinds of other financial elements and prognostications and and, and all invest in just about anything oil fields that you know they they that's what they do now right and you know when 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 they they got rid of glass seagull it drew the line. It, it took the line away from being able to do all those things. When they uh, they tried to put much of it back in into the law a few years ago after the 2008 crash, that is what they did again. Into when Trump came into office and they really, re, re, um, they took all these things off of the ability for the banks to do that. So I, I hope you're understanding this. And by the way, you can give us a call at seven one three five two six. 5738-713-526-5738, hit extension number two. With this explanation, what I'm hoping to do here is I want to make sure that you first get the baseline of what I'm talking about so that what you're hearing on the news as far as what has to be done to clean up the banking system and why many a times they want we, the people, to pay the price Ultimately, this discussion is going to go from we should pay nothing for what's going on right now. And the economic system should pay nothing for what's going on right now. There is a very easy solution to what's going on right now. Every banker that puts their, 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 their bank in trouble, every part of the banking system going forward that's in trouble, should be taken over and converted, and here, this is a magical thing, and converted into a community-style bank backstopped by the federal government, what I call a quasi-nationalization. Because these guys that are hurting the, these different banks that you see falling into trouble, they're not falling into trouble because they followed the banking modal that I described of what a bank should do, your community bank that worked in the past, they are creating all kinds of financial instruments so that the select few who are taking your money as deposits, as your paycheck payrolls, all these things, and doing magical things with them that many a times they make a ton of money on, but when they fail, when they fail to make that ton of money we're talking about, then they come to us and says, bail us out, bail us out. Now, I know uh, Brother Biden, President Biden is claiming that what he did for Silicon Valley Bank and the other currently failing banks is not a bailout because supposedly taxpayer dollars are not going into saving these banks I beg to differ. Every one of those accounts inside of these banks, by the way, in the old system where they were guaranteed by something called the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, I think it's what it's called. They were all, they were all backstopped by every account for $250,000. Everybody knew that, including those venture capitalists who put their money into that bank in the order of millions of dollars as simple deposits. And why did they do that again? Let me just refresh your memory. Whereas Nation Bank of America and all of these big banks are only giving their people about 0.1 or 0.2% interest rates, 
uh, Silicon uh, Valley Bank to get a lot of money into their bank were paying 2% on people's money. So whereas Brother Biden would say those people invested their, I mean, those people deposited money. They are not investors. They are not, the investors should lose all their money. The fact of the matter is a lot of those Silicon Valley people had their money in that bank as an investment. That's what it was there for. An investment because they couldn't get short-term 2% on any money when Bank of America and the other guys were only giving them 0.2%. They could go to Silicon Valley Bank and get 2%. So there we go. Gambling with people's deposits. Gambling with people's money to cover that. They made a bet. They said we were going to go into the open market or into the market and buy government securities that were paying that. And in, <laughs> I mean, they were, may have been paying two or three percent, whatever the government securities were paying. But when you get inflation rates at five percent, those securities drop in value right thereafter. And that is what we're seeing causing our crash. I hope, I'm make, I hope I'm getting this clear enough for folks because the next things that I want to talk about are solutions to the problem. And if you understand what the problem is, the solutions don't sound all that arcane because people don't like to hear the type of solutions that we want to talk about. 713-526-5738, extension number two, 713 526 Five seven three eight. If you notice what I said, I believe in community banks. Friend of mine who just left said, "My dad created a community bank. He didn't like the way those big boys were running, and that's understandable. That is very understandable because what they do is they gamble with your money, and we encourage them. And when they fall, many times we are always ready to help them to raise them up." They're, you know, they never asked the last time that any one of them uh, raised up, raised their, their voices for us, did anything for us. 713-526-5738. Um, Eric says, need a system that has ability to create wealth for people because without any investment, nothing moves. Greed is in public and private and in governments too. Don't kid yourself. Of course, greed is everywhere, but that's why you create laws. That's why you, that you create laws to mitigate human bad behavior. That's what laws are there for. You know, I mean, people always say things like, why do you have things like affirmative action? You know, it should, it should come from people's heart. Yeah, a lot of things should come from people's heart. But since we know it's going to be a long time before humanity changes, our laws are created to prevent the worst of humanity from exercising itself on humanity. Remember that. That's why you have laws. That's why we create laws so that we don't make those that have bad instincts, so that those bad instincts are not realized. Always remember that. It's not magical. It's not that, you know, no regulations. We have regulations to prevent our bad instincts from coming, from, from, from coming out. That law keeps us in order. I don't want to move on to the homeless issue yet until I get done and I take questions on the banking system. Anybody wants to talk about that? 713-526-5738, extension number two. 713-526-573. This is a very, 
very important subject. Um, uh, Tori, is that uh, was that somebody calling in or the- uh, that was Jim? Call back, Jim. <laughs> oh, okay, Jim. Give us a call back. Sometimes we we accidentally uh, drop things, etc. But we do want to hear your voices. Seven one three five two six five seven three eight. It is um, before I talk about solutions. I wanted to see if anybody else wants that, but I'll I'll go ahead and talk about solutions now. Uh, whenever I mention things like there are certain industries in our country that should be nationalized. Uh, because we have learned by, the, by papers, by articles, by think tanks to hate our government, right? Because we are taught to hate our government, that government can't do good things. Anytime we give a government solution, it is always looked at like government never does anything right. And then I ask people to open their eyes and let's talk about seeing the truth about government, right? Government is nothing but the reflection of we the people, right? Go ahead, Jim. Come on in, and then I'll finish this subject. Come on in, Jim. Talk to me. Jim, you're on. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, let me say first, I'm an avowed uh, capitalist. However, capitalist, capitalist unchecked is... Uh, very risky business because of the greed you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Clinton got rid of Glass-Steagall, that was uh, very detrimental, as you mentioned. Right. Uh, but we need to go back to Glass-Steagall, which will probably never happen uh, until political donations are outlawed, because political donations, we need to call them by their real name. They are basically just bribes. Right. Uh and uh, taken by both parties. Uh, I'm an independent. Uh, I hate both parties because they uh, get in there and they uh, watch out for themselves and special interests rather than we the people. I hear you. And uh, I hear you. Maybe now, that doesn't sound a whole lot like a capitalist, but no, no, I Jim, Jim, Jim. Let Let me say something to you, okay? And, and I'm gonna I'm sure. gonna challenge you. Uh, you, okay. you just came on here and you said, uh, first of all, I want to lay the stamp. I am a capitalist. You sound just like Biden, right? Let me tell you what I mean by that. And I, I don't mean to, to be insultive at all. That's not the point. Oh, I'm not insulted. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I say, you said, you sound just like I'm not a capitalist. So Biden, I mean, I'm a capitalist. That's what Biden always comes out and says. And, and then after he says he's a capitalist, he goes out and put out policy after policy that those of us who are progressives that don't consider themselves a cap- capitalist, but consider themselves progressive, very progressive, he starts to, he doesn't do it the way we want it, but he starts to put these policies out. Let me give an example. Um, you say, I'm a capitalist, but you want to rein in the bank. You say you're a capitalist, but you want to rein in certain types of greed. That is, when we talk about being free enterprise supporters, that's who we are as progressives. We are not capitalists. Capitalists are the folks who segment companies. They produce nothing. Capitalists simply, uh, we call capitalists parasites, right? They're the ones who monetize everything else that real people do. They monet- I'd, I'd, have to take ex- I'd have to take exception. Go ahead, please, please do, sir. Please do. Okay, I uh, build an office tower or an apartment complex. Yes, I'm invest. I'm investing my capital. Yes, I'm not a 
parasite on the system. No, you are not. However, without without checks and balances on it, uh, we've all seen the uh, horror stories on TV of mm-hmm. bad landlords. Right. Um, and the same goes with uh, the oil companies and such. You know, the oil companies aren't necessarily bad. Right. They I have agree. to have regulation. Let me... Let me. Um, let me tell you where the oil companies are bad and the part that I'm talking about. First of all, you just, tell, you just told me something that proved to me you're not a capitalist, right? And let me tell, <laughs> okay. let me tell you what you just said. You just said, okay. I built an apartment complex, right? I took my capital, meaning I took my money and built an apartment complex and I, I service people and I get a good return on that. That is great. That's free enterprise. That's what that is. Now, you know how you would become a capitalist? You would become a capitalist if you made a whole bunch of apartment complexes. You then divided that apartment complexes, that complex, uh, those complexes into capital, into, uh, into a piece. And Johnny, I'm coming to you next. Into pieces of paper. In, 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 in REIT or something. Right. Into a bunch of pieces of paper. And then that piece mm-hmm. of paper take on a life of, on its own. It's no longer directly related to your apartment complex and, the, and the, apart, the, the amount of money people pay for rent and all of that. But when you want that piece of paper that you're now selling to appreciate in value, your cost hasn't increased for managing your apartment. But what you do is you increase those rents because your investors in those pieces of paper that you created want a bigger return on their money. So the sole purpose... Well, that, that- that, that's the that's the investment bankers. That's my point. That's uh, and, capitalism. You know, that is uh, capitalism. You know, when you hear Alan Greenspan uh, say, "What he has a PhD in economics or yes. something?" Yes. Say, I had no idea that the securitized mortgages were going to be bad. I mean, any idiot, I mean, can know that if you take bad loans and wrap them up and call them a security. You've got a bad security. No, no, but wait. They, they, I mean, remember, remember how that came, remember how those deri- derivatives came about? They were called credit default swaps. Remember how those came about? Those came about when they you th- those were mixtures of good, great credit, middle credit, and poor credit, and they securitized that by coming up with some mathematical formula. Some P, some PhD in math came up with that says if we do that, we can then claim these are rated five star or whatever. So I mean. There was a there was some science behind that, but we always knew it was dubious science. But there was some science behind it. Okay, it was mainly a it was mainly a scam. Yes, it was. Like much of the much of the other stuff. That but Wall but brothers, my brother, I, I gotta let you go to go to Johnny. But let me just say this, Jim. That is why I said you proved to me you're not a capitalist because what Alan Greenspan talked about not knowing what these bankers at Silicon did by throwing all their money into a long-term investment with the expectation that inflation stays low, which defies economic, in economic know-how, what the guys at all these different banking areas did, prove my brother. That's what capitalists do. What you're doing is a free enterprise. It's, you're, not, you're not a derivative of your work. You are your work. Follow? Uh, I, I don't completely agree with your uh, definitions, but, but but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that is, you know, I, I, 
what I, what I, I don't, you know, uh, terminology is one thing. You know, you define what capitalism really is. My, by my definition of capitalism, which I think people don't like to define as it really is, because it brings it, talk, it, it shows the whole system as a fraud when you take a look at it. So nobody wants to define it the way it really is, in my humble opinion. And, uh, you know, uh, because like I said, I know great business people. And from what you're telling me with owning apartment complexes and renting stuff out and all of that, you're a great free enterpriser. Love you, brother. But when it comes to the derivative of what you do and how that derivative expands, then that's a problem in my humble opinion. Anything else real quick well, before der I go? Der derivatives are just like bitcoins, you know, it, it, yes. it's just a scam. That, and that's what we live in, sir. And that's my it, point. It, it, well, That's it's not new, but remember the tulips in yes. what was the 1600s? Yes, sir. Yes. Bitcoin, Bitcoin is, the, <laughs> is the tulip oh, man, of you, the 21st century. Man, you're going way back, dude. <laughs> hey, I, I don't go back quite that far, but I am almost. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you so kindly, Jim. You have a wonderful rest hey, of your day, okay? Make, make it a great day and stay safe. Thank you, sir. You too. All right, let's go to Johnny. Come on in, Johnny. Talk to me. My uh, initial experience as a young adult with mm -hmm. the banking industry and insurance industry contrasts sharply with what I understood as a young kid growing up. When I was a kid, banks were a place you could bring your money and get paid interest. Yes. Well, they also made money at the same time. But yes. by the time it came for me in the late 70s, early 80s, my experience with loan officers for the, for the automobile and the way the insurance industry, the automobile insurance industry treated, my monthly insurance was as, almost as much as my car payment. Yeah. It's yes. ridiculous. Uh, so the lesson here is that capitalism in this country, the way it's practiced, is not humane. It's not, this is not Norway. I don't care what Hillary Clinton says. Mm -hmm. We should be Norway because what we do now is unfettered. It's unfettered underregulated mercenary style of capitalism. Now, I'm open-minded enough as a leftist, mm -hmm. as a wild leftist, a socialist, a Bernie socialist. Matter of fact, I'm to, left, I'm to the left of Bernie. I am as well, but go ahead. Yeah, so, but I'm still open-minded enough to say, hey, I'm pragmatic and I understand, given the trajectory of history here, what we're dealing with right now, the political landscape and the economic landscape, I know that we're not going to transition to a hybrid economy overnight. Right. It's not going to happen. Right. So what we do as a compromise in the meantime until we take over our education system again and start educating our young people so that they can uh, develop a country that's a hybrid economy, that is to say, let's say 60%. Uh, regulated, heavily regulated capitalistic businesses, and 40% horizontally based uh, cooperative style businesses. Right. In absence of that, towards that, a generation or two from now, until we take over our education system again, because that's the key, I'm okay with how about we start regulating what we got? You know, something. Instead of allowing banksters in Manhattan to keep stealing. A, a uh, leftist like you. He wanted to kill Big Bird. Well, yeah. that's not all he did. Look, a leftist. Way more than that. He took people's retirement money. He right. stole, he literally stole people's retirement money. Why and how? Unfettered, underregulated capitalism. Okay, look, for, uh, first of all, you know, and that is, you know, uh, I think, I think, I, I, I think terminology is one of our biggest issues here. 
uh, because my contention is that Romney is doing what Romney was supposed to do. Romney, we can look at we can look at Romney as the problem, or we can look at the system as the problem because there the system has created a whole lot of Romneys. So therefore, it's not Romney. It's a system. It's a system. The system was created at our inception. Don't, don't, don't dare not know that. The, the, our, our economic system was created at its inception. It has always been a system that really worked on the backs of humanity. It was just done in different manners. I mean, back when our, our country was created, most people were poor and, and a large population of our work was done by slaves and poor white people. That is, that was always our system at its creation. The constitution was a capital document that was, think about it, that was created to ensure that property rights was one of the preeminent things in this country. Read the Constitution. I don't, you don't have to listen to me. Just read the Constitution. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. Right? But, but what I'm saying what I'm is, saying so, is so a lot of people think, let, let me finish real quick, Johnny. A lot of people think that, oh, there's, these people are bad people. What I tell folks is, no, there's nothing. Look, I like Romney. I'll be honest with you. I think Romney is a nice guy. Deep inside, Romney is a nice guy. I all what I think about Romney is Romney has a, a, believes in this system being on the autopilot that it is, and what we have to do, in my humble opinion, is unindoctrinate Americans onto this system to have most Americans realize that this economic system was not made for them. That 20% of the people in this country does well or do well, whichever one is grammatically correct, that 20% of the people in this country do well, and 80% are $400 away from the... None of that is all that different from how it has always been, mm-hmm. right? It has always been that way. Human condition. Yeah, but, and it never had to be that way because of the, of the abundance of resources that we have. We could go to Africa, the whole continent as well, and say there is no way those folks should be living in the conditions that they're living. It's all in the structure of this type of economic system that creates that. I want to ask, how do we solve it? It solves, like you just said, when you just mentioned, we have to unindoctrinate ourselves. We got to educate ourselves. And one of the things I want to do with Politics Done Right is have people give themselves the, un- give themselves the, the, the permission to think outside of the box, outside of what you've learned in school. Look at what DeSantis is doing to schools. Look at what we are trying to have people not critically think right now. My goal is to say, let's all start critically thinking things through and stop believing that things have to be how they were from the inception of this country. Talk to me, Jenny. I maintain with you, and I disagree with you on Mitt Romney, because Mitt Romney, Mm -hmm. relative to someone like Donald Trump Mm -hmm. or Jim Jordan, Mm -hmm. yeah, he seems like a nice guy. As a matter of fact, I've said once before that I wouldn't mind hanging out with George W. Bush at a pool hall and playing a few games of billiards and some beers. But that doesn't mean that I would vote for him, because his policies are antithetical to Mm -hmm. the American uh, people. Uh, But, you know, all of their policies are, Johnny... Johnny, let me, let me, look, you are a special guy. I'm not saying that to butter you up. I'm just saying you're a special guy. And why are you a special guy? Because you saw through all the minutia. But when, when I started a lot of, look, I was always into doing, thinking about the other person, right? But when I became, when I, when I had Willie's computer software company doing all the things that it did, right? I was on autopilot just like any other capitalist until I remember it really hit ahead when Boeing paid a whole bunch for a license of my software. And then I started to per- 
put that through who eventually paid me and I realized, oh my God, it's the people who least can afford that Boeing's going to get to pay me. And then, so I mean, um, all of us work on this stuff on autopilot. So my thing is not to go ahead and beat up on Romney. Go ahead, sir. Alberto, you're, you're, don't compare yourself to Mitt Romney. You have a, a heart and a soul. And Mitt Romney doesn't because of the fact that he stole that money mm-hmm. and he never made up for it. Right. He never made those people in Michigan or whatever state that was in the Great Lakes. Right. He never made those people whole. He turned, he, he sold off equipment mm-hmm. from factories overseas where the labor was dirt cheap. Right. He's done nothing to prove to me that he has changed. Uh, Why? Just because he, he called Donald Trump out for what he was? I, I, well, well, cheap. I don't think it's changed. That, that I think is that he thinks, you know, you, you know how we talk about religion, right? That uh, when you believe in a religion, that's what you believe in and that's just how things work. For me, uh, for when you look at somebody like, let's say, a Romney or you look at somebody like uh, any, any true, true, true capitalist, right? I honestly think that they just think that, sorry, that's just how things are, as opposed to looking at it from the humane point of view. That is my, that is my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's just my opinion. Here's a scary thing. Yes, sir. I actually would trust George Bush more. The war criminal that he is, yeah. I would trust him more as a next-door neighbor, not as a politician, not to hold elected office, yeah. as I would Mitt Romney. Because the simple fact, not only did Mitt Romney steal, mm-hmm. the vulture capitalist, right. but he put his family dog on the roof, mm-hmm. and he pretends that women are goosing him <laughs> because he doesn't know how to relate. I hear you. I hear you, brother. Look, I need to get to the second well, subject. But, let you go. but look, thank you very much, Johnny. Let me just tell you, your comments were, in fact, insightful. Folks, thank you for calling, brother. You have a good one. I'll try it, 713-526-5738, extension number two. 713-526-5738, if you want to add to what, um, what uh, Johnny and Jim had to say. Bruce says, I agree with people who think the capital system has good points, but when the investors take advantage of people, that is a problem that takes regulations. Look, you know, none of the thing about it is sometimes we, we talk past each other. And those of us who have this humane way of thinking, too often we talk past each other. Because I agree with that also, Bruce. But we'll talk about that. And by the way, Bruce, I, I think you're already set up on my system. I hope you got the email from my system. Uh, touch me here if you, if you have or have not. Uh, Eric Hayes says, Egberto, it wasn't his money. He got it from a bank to build his apartment and REITs are crap for investments. You see, you see Eric... When you make statements like that, it just shows that you are thinking. And he may have used, just like the bank expands its, its money, that's what it's there for, to borrow the money from the bank, as I explained when I gave the initial, uh, the initial part of this discussion that we had before. So again, let's be careful that we're not talking past each other. Rest says, Why, rise up, America, all militias to the streets. I imagine you are talking about when uh, Trump finally meets his day uh, as an indicted president. I think uh, most people are going to stay home. And let me tell you why they're going to stay home. They're going to watch that as Donald Trump, nothing happened to him after, in, after inciting an insurrection. There are a thousand people going to jail at least on behalf of Donald Trump. How many Trumpists you think are going to make that mistake again and go into the streets and just riot knowing that their day in court will keep them away from their families, 
for one, two, three years. They'll have a felony on their records and their life would be forever changed. Trump has the money and he never used it to help them out. So do you think, now you may have a few sycophants that will still do it, but do you really, really think a lot of those folks who came out on January 6th are going to come out again? I beg to differ. I could be wrong, but I beg to differ. All right, the second topic is homelessness is a product of our economic system. I want you guys to give us a call, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. All right, uh, I don't know if I saluted everybody, but inside of the chat, West, Eric, uh, Bruce, Paul, uh, Alistair, thank you so kindly for entertaining a great discussion in the chat. Homelessness is a product of our economic system. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I drive into Houston from the suburbs of Kingwood, Texas to host my Politics Done Right program live on KPFT-FM, 90.1 FM, in the Houston metropolitan area. That's what you're listening to right now. As I get inside uh, 610 Loop, I see large encampments of tent communities. The radio station is an air in an area where gentrification is starting to take hold. The area has many unhoused people throughout. I keep a little bit of change in my car so I can give a dollar or C with the expectation, I put a dollar or C, I meant a dollar or so, with the expectation that others are doing the same. You know, I mean, if, if a thousand cars pass that intersection and let's say 1% of people give the guy a dollar or so, he can buy himself a meal and who knows, eventually he can save a little bit of that and maybe get a little place to go to. You know, wishful thinking, a lot of these people are really ill. They have psychological problems, etc. And you know how our lousy healthcare system doesn't really uh, have a humane, a, a humane thread in it at all. So they're suffering so we we take care of the the temporary we take care of the pain temporarily by doing whatever we can so at the corner if i'm stopped at the light there near uh, san jacinto boulevard i'll go ahead and i'll take out the change and give them a dollar the expectation that others do and i see often people do help them out but you know hey it shouldn't be that way the thing is a wealthy society in a wealthy society this indicates not the failure of these people but a failure of the economic system that depends on the existence of these people. I know a lot of people are going to say, ah, these are worthless people. These are people who are lazy. These are people who don't want to go out there and do work. I don't know about you, but you know, for those people who always talk about the nuclear family, understanding that a lot of these people either didn't come from a nuclear family or got involved in drugs, yes, their fault, but involved in drugs or something else, or had a medical condition that made it that they could no longer afford a home, a house, you know, I can give you a pathway where probably 99.9% of the people on Skid Row, it's an our, our economic system that's at fault, not only immediately, but because from the genesis of their parents, where their parents had a hard time and had latched door kids. They weren't getting the support from a society that paid them what allowed them to have that nuclear family everybody likes to talk about. You know, we like to talk about, oh, there's no father in the home. 
I can show you where our system, not just our welfare system, but our system was many times responsible for there being no father in the home and the change of behaviors that causes that now among many different communities, right? It's our economic system. But we are always great at blaming the individual, right? We're always great at blaming the individual. You know, if you just would do this, it would be okay. And by the way, I, I, want, to, I want to put a mea culpa myself, right? I'm a, I work 16 hours a day doing this, writing blogs and all that. 16 hours a day, I'm a hard worker. And sometimes in the past, even when I had my software company, I would work 16 hours a day all the time. That, that's, that's my modus operandi. So I would go out in the old days and I would see poor people and I would see all these people trying to uh, hang in on the street or with their, you know, whatever. And I will, there, there were times that I would look at them sometimes and I'm like, why don't you just take yourself up and do something, right? And as I learned more, as I read more, as I understood more, as I did more activism, even as I have always been an activist, but as I did more activism and learned from other activists, learned from others, learned from professionals, learned from people on the streets, learned from the homeless, or the, we don't like to call it homeless, now we call it the unhoused. As I learned these things, I realized how systemic it is how systemic it has always been. And I'm going to show you. If you doubt me, you simply need to listen to Fed Chair Jerome Powell, who confirmed at a hearing with Elizabeth Warren that he is raising interest rates to increase unemployment by more than 2 million workers to reduce inflation. The fact is... That corporate greed, as Congresswoman Katie Porter pointed out, is responsible for more than 50% of inflation. But let the workers suffer, right? Think about that. I want to repeat that. Jerome Powell is increasing interest rates by his own words, by his own words, to create a unemployment rate of four point something percent. Why? Because he needs more people unemployed to bring down interest, to bring down inflation. As opposed to saying, how can we live in a society where corporate greed can continue to give those shareholders record profits, those executives record bonuses as the inflation cripples the average American citizen. We don't, talk, we don't talk about how to handle them, right? Now, how do they, you know, remember that Jim who called. Jim says, I invest in my apartment complex. I create this apartment complex, right? And I charge a good, a good rent for the people who are coming to you to be in my apartment, which is a good thing, right? And then... He makes a good return, but that's not how it works in this aggregate in our system at large. These big corporations who own these homes, these rentals, these whatever, they jack the prices up because they have these instruments like REITs and others where people want more return on their investments, more return on their investments. And who are the ones that pay for those returns on those investments? You are. 
And eventually, if your wages are not going up as high as your rents, if your wages are not going up as high as everything else, eventually you are priced out of the market. Henceforth, the homeless on the streets. Right? Henceforth, the homeless on the streets. I mean, you can look at them individually and see the bad ones that could do better but didn't. But look at the mothers and the amount of people living out of their cars right now in San Francisco, in L.A., in Houston. A lot of people living out of their cars. You don't even have a clue. You don't know that it's happening, but it is because they're priced out. And you know what? It doesn't matter because as we grow, our economy grows. Those people that are doing on top, the ones that control everything, they're doing just fine. They're doing just fine. But we sit down and blame government. Government is bad. Government is doing this. The only bad thing about government is it has allowed those wealthy people, those corporate, those corporate thugs to do what they're doing to us. That's the bad part about government. That it has allowed those others to take advantage of us. If you doubt me, let me give you something further. I'm probably going to try to play this on the show at 3 o'clock. But John Stewart, John Stewart has a new show on, I think it's uh, the uh, Apple TV or something like that, where he interviewed, and he interviewed a lot of prominent folks. And this one he interviewed Larry Summers. And he made, he, he brought out in Larry Summers a part of Larry Summers I knew was there on the inside. But Larry Summers never let out on the outside. So when, uh, when, when, when John Stewart challenged him, John Stewart says, "Wait a minute. Uh, why are you? You know, why are we allowing these things to happen to the regular man?" I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. And Larry Summers looks and says, "Well, you are you are putting this this interview on Apple TV, right? Yes. You're going to make a lot of money off of this, right?" He said, yes. Is, is there anything wrong with that? He didn't expect the answer, but <laughs> John Stewart says, yes. <laughs> you know, because, you know, the way the, way the money is distributed is not equitable, nor it's not based on your worth. It's based on what these, some folks, you know, who run our system makes it happen. But, but the part that got me is he, he got, he conned Larry Summers because Larry Summers, he said, the reason the prices uh, increases is because we have a shortage and because if we have something that a lot of people want, right, and we can't get enough of it, isn't it all right for the price to go up? That's, it's, that's our system. It's the price goes up because there's more demand for it, right? And he didn't know that John Stewart was just setting him up. And how did John Stewart set him up? John Stewart said, wait a minute, but the feds are increasing interest rates so that we get less employment because there is more demand for workers and you don't want to pay the workers based on their demand, the demand for workers. So you are saying it is okay for the capitalists to go ahead and make more money based on demand, even though, as Katie Porter pointed out, that demand was a false demand. It is okay for the capitalists, when there's demand, to increase prices and make money. But as soon as the worker asks for more money for that job because there are more, there's more demand for our work, you cut them by the knees. 
What could Larry Summer answer to that? That is the system we have. That is the capitalism we have. That we have to kill two million jobs as opposed to force those who have given us 6% inflation now. Not because prices are higher, not because we cannot meet demand, but because they can. And that is where I am trying to go with these discussions. Not to tell you, you need to become some sort of a, some, some yellow purse, yellow, yellow driven type communist. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. You know, they used to call like a, forgot what they used to call the yellow dog Democrats, right? Not, not, not that. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about a system that works for everybody. And there, there exists that system. But for that system to exist, you have to assert your worth. All of you, all of us have to assert our worth. We have to stop believing what we hear on Fox News. We have to stop believing what the Powell memo said. We have to stop believing everything that you really thought this system was because a person writing everything that you believe in is not doing it for your benefit. They're doing it for theirs, for the benefit of the few. I mean, 713, I, I, have a, I can take a, probably a, a call or two. 713. 526-5738-713-526-5738. Give me a call if you, if, you, if you want to add anything to this, if you have some questions. I would love to hear your thoughts on what I said there. Do, do you buy it? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you want to join the, the, the posse so that we can make sure to constantly get sharing all this information out so that folks can get it? You know, the next time you see that person on the street, on the next time you see that homeless tent, you know, I, I was at in a, a Houston Peace and Justice board meeting this weekend. We had an executive committee meeting and um, one of our um, leaders in the group said, you know, we're, we're building a fund. This fund is to pay the bills of all the tickets we received downtown Houston for feeding the poor. I want to repeat that. I want to repeat that. We are raising $10,000 not to buy food for the poor folks downtown who need food, who need help. We're buying, we're buying, we're, we're raising money so that we can pay for the tickets given to people who are raising funds to pay for food for the indigent. Can you believe that? Come on in, Ray. I just uh, tuned in real quick. I just wanted to say I, I heard you talking about, you know, what the system is that we need. Yes. And, uh, you know, like I say, there's definitely, you know, some ideology that could be worked out. But basically, a lot of people are being told to go against their own interests because they've, you know, vilified a certain economic system right. in other countries and they've you know, are hell bent on saying that's not America, that's not American. If you believe in any other economic system other than capitalism, you're being un American. I call 
BS on it. That's what and I that want is, to and, But you know what? You know what, uh, my brother? That is what we have to do. You and me and everybody else listening to my voice. We have to stop being embarrassed to tell the truth. We have to stop being embarrassed to enlighten or we have to stop being embarrassed because we're thinking outside of the box. That's a problem that a lot, I would sit down in a Starbucks and talk to a person on the right and they would agree with everything I say up and until there's a time for us to talk to others about it. That's what it's all about. They will do that up and until that time, Ray. But anyway, Ray, I'm coming close to time. I think I got about a minute left. Uh, anything else you want to add, my brother? Yes, sir. Uh, you, me, and every single listener out there, we have a job to do. And that's to hold everybody that we elected accountable. So I tell everybody, do your job. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for calling in. All right. You have a wonderful right. rest of your day, Ray. Folks, uh, uh, so, uh, we, I don't think we're taking any more calls because we're almost done with the program. How much time do I have? 30 seconds? What, what do I get? Uh, <laughs> I think I don't know what that means. I think it's 30 seconds or either that or, hey, you got to get out of here. But folks, so please remember, if you, have any, if you want to comment on stuff that I said, go to info at politicsdoneright.com info at politicsunright.com. I answer every single email. It may take me some time because I get several thousand emails a day, but uh, you just put from the show or something like that and I'll see that. Seven, I go, just go to info at politicsdoneright.com and I'll answer it. Today's newsletter is at politicsunright.com slash newsletter. Anyway, folks, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Unright and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.